Good morning. It's really good to see you all. Um, yeah, vision. We're going to talk about uh, vision and vision statements. But if I were to start off by saying, don't be evil, there would be a slightly quizzical look on some of your faces. Is that, is that the extent of the sermon? Don't be evil? Some of you might know what I'm referring to. In fact, can anybody tell me where I'm getting that statement from? Yeah, very smart. Yes, it is, or at least it was, I'm not sure where it still is, Google's vision statement. Don't be evil. You find a lot of businesses have sort of vision statements. They become a bit trendy. Um, and uh, so, yeah, Google was don't be evil. One or two people have questioned quite how they're living up to that one. Uh, points. Um, other similar organisations tend to have, uh, well, often have vision statements. Uh, the whole thing about those sorts of vision statements in business is that they're often a kind of PR exercise, um, a way of cultivating and projecting the sort of image that you want your customers or society at large to have about you. So it's a kind of PR thing a bit. Um, we want people to think of us in this way. That's not what Christian vision or vision for Christians is about. It's not a PR exercise. It's not necessarily a bad thing um, to have vision statements of that nature, but that's not what we're about. But you sometimes hear it in politics as well. I was, uh, a while back I was uh, noting that uh, some people were criticising particular party leaders, or a leader I think it was, um, saying, yeah, well the thing is, they don't, they don't really have vision. I think one of the American presidents was, you know, they don't have the vision thing. Um, and that means something a bit different in that context. It seems to sort of mean they have no kind of overarching, overall... Um, principles by which they operate and through which they formulate policies. So it's a sort of, um, the idea for politicians, if you've got to have vision, you've you kind of got to have some core values, some core ethos. And that's a good thing. We believe in core values. We believe in, in having the right ethos. In lots of ways, our dimensions that you see up on the wall represent in some measure our core values, or many of our core values. But that's not actually what Scripture means by vision either. And among Christians, I have a feeling that vision is also a rather overused and perhaps sometimes misunderstood word. Yes, it can just be the PR thing like businesses, or it can just be a sort of shorthand for core values, but I've heard loads of sermons preached, you may have well as well, I may have even preached a few of them actually, um, on um, Proverbs 29 and 18. Without a vision, the people perish. Oops, better have a vision then, haven't we? And it's taught in Christian circles sort of along from those sort of verses, you know, without a vision, the people perish. And so we think, oh, we'd better go and do that thing and have a vision because we're obviously supposed to, or we might sort of perish or something. Actually, the truth is that's a rubbish translation of uh, Proverbs 29, actually. It's the authorised version, and I'm not criticising that version. But actually, the verse means in other translations, where there is no prophecy the people of God cast off restraint, or where the people don't accept divine guidance, 
they run wild, or where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. So in Scripture, vision is not a PR exercise trying to massage our image, nor is it merely another way of describing our core values, our core ethos. And quite importantly, nor is it just a human exercise in assembling some, some good ideas that we quite like to people to buy into. It has a much more specific meaning in Scripture. It refers to God revealing himself, intervening to make people aware of three things. His awesome greatness, his wider purposes, and most often, his very specific instructions. So to give you some examples, um, in the first case, you find Ezekiel had lots and lots of visions in the Old Testament as a prophet. Uh, loads and loads of visions, some fairly exotic ones with chariots and things. Um, but they were all to do with the greatness and awesomeness and power of God. In the New Testament, you find uh, that's part also of what we find in, in the Revelation of John, the last book of the Bible. John had vision of the greatness of God and of Christ. So that's part of what God reveals in visions. Second thing he kind of reveals in visions is to do with his wider, bigger, more sort of broad purposes. So again, in, in Daniel in the Old Testament, you find he has visions and God is revealing to him about uh, the future uh, purposes he, God has uh, for nations and empires. It wasn't just revealing it out of curiosity for, you know, to satisfy Daniel's curiosity, but so that Daniel could pray and so that through Daniel, God's people could have hope. But it was revealing those bigger purposes of God. In the New Testament, you find um, <clears throat> Peter uh, in Acts, at the Acts of the Apostles, uh, he has a vision uh, whilst he's uh, having lunch or something on a roof, um, and he sees a, a net coming down with some animals in it. And God uses that vision to open Peter's mind to the broader idea and the fundamental idea that the good news about Jesus the Messiah is not limited to the Jews, but is for everybody and specifically for the Gentiles. So God uses <coughs> a vision to reveal how great he is, to reveal his broad purposes. But mostly in Scripture, when you find the word vision used, it's mostly God's very specific instructions. So you find in the Old Testament, Joshua had a vision um, as they were encamped around Jericho, and God was telling him, this is what you need to do in order to capture that city. And it was very specific instructions about going for a long walk. And then in the New Testament, you have the Apostle Paul, who was traveling around, sharing the news of Jesus and planting churches, and he has a vision of a man from Macedonia saying, come over here and help us. Paul realizes, oh, okay, God's giving me a vision to guide me where I should go next, what I should be doing. It's a specific thing. So what vision is, is God revealing to specific people Specific things he wants them to do, specific actions he wants them to take, specific places he wants them to go, and specific areas where he wants them to focus. So vision is, is not just generic. It's very specific. It's God's giving instructions 
on things to focus on. So what do we understand by vision? Well, at best, we recognize that the Spirit of Jesus is specifically leading us and calling us to respond in a particular way. But, we have to be honest, sometimes it can merely be a human exercise in assembling some good ideas. can see it that way. Why do we need vision? Well, at best, it helps direct and focus our energies. But, yes, it can just be a thing we tick off on our checklist of things we're supposed to have. A vision statement. can be that. Who's it for? Well, at best, it engages and unites all of us as a whole body with purpose. But, yes, sometimes it can just be something the leaders spend time dreaming up and that no one else ever remembers. And what do we do with it? Well, at best, it helps inform our praying, inspire our thinking, engage our and energize our action, and helps us to gauge our effectiveness. But, if we're honest, it can sometimes be just something that gets filed away until whenever. We do have to choose how we'll look at vision and vision statements. It's worth remembering, you know, we've crystallized what we sense God has been instructing us to do as a church into five statements. You'll see them around the pillars of the wall. We had a prayer weekend this last weekend and uh, we put those vision statements up there for people to see and to pray into. But we need to choose how we want to engage with them and how we want to view them. Whether together we take ownership of them, seeing them as specific areas where the Spirit is calling us and guiding us and instructing us to be focused. Or whether it's simply something that we passively read and then file away. It's worth remembering, um, and we really believe that the Spirit does direct us. He directs us as a leadership team, but he directs us as a whole body. The Holy Spirit is now poured out on all of us, so we want to sense what God is doing amongst the whole body. And I think it was about seven years ago, someone um, may want to correct me on the exact date, but I think it was about seven years ago that we actually came to the church and said, look, we believe these are specific areas that God's calling us at this time to focus and we called the church together, and I remember we had a massive piece of paper, roll of paper all across the auditorium here, and we invited people to reflect on what they felt the Holy Spirit was stirring in them and how that would, might match up and uh, complement what we as a leadership team felt. And so our vision statements as we articulated them didn't, were not sort of imposed top-down, you know, these are things we think you should do, but these are things that we together are sensing from the Holy Spirit we should be focused on, concentrated on, specifically for us. They're not generic things that every church will necessarily focus on, but they're things that God's calling us to. And I suggest we need to recognize the Spirit's initiative and impetus in this. Now, you, you may, if you've been listening carefully, you may note that I've alluded to four vision statements and then also Adam and myself have commented on five around the room I'll come back to that, that wasn't a mistake 
But I want to just briefly remind us of the areas where thus far we believe God has asked us to concentrate, where he's asked us to focus, what he's asked us to be particularly involved in, obey him, follow him in. And I want to give a brief comment on how I believe we're doing in those areas, a bit like a school report, perhaps. I haven't had one of those for a little while, but... uh, We preface each of our statements with this. By God's spirit and working in partnership, we are committed to. And we really believe that. We can attempt, sometimes we do attempt, any number of things. But if they merely arise from our natural strength, we won't be able to sustain them. We will run out of energy. We need to consciously respond in reliance on the Holy Spirit. It is by God's Spirit, not by dint of our enthusiasm or bright ideas or natural abilities. It is by God's Spirit. And we believe passionately in partnership. Partnership with other parts of the church in Yeovil with whom we relate closely. Partnership also with others in the wider community who share and resonate with what we feel called to do. And we love partnership, and that continues to be a focus for us. Okay, so what are the vision statements that we have been focused on, and where are we at with those? By God's Spirit and working in partnership, we are committed to seeing the tide of family breakdown turned wherever we serve. This is one area where I think most of us who've been around YCC for a little while anyway recognise we've seen serious and sustained engagement from a whole range of people and remarkable blessing from God. It's been amazing. The most obvious expression of this is in the development of Yeovil for Family. It's not the only one, but that's the most obvious expression of it where we've partnered with Christians from across the town in, as far as family mentors are concerned and link workers. And we partnered also with local agencies and with the district council. And that work has helped numerous families. It's expanded over the last couple of years to work with singles. It's been recognised nationally by a number of awards, actually. And we're now helping churches in other places to replicate the model. That's what Alan Guy is is focused on. Helping to replicate that model, the four family model, elsewhere. It's been amazing. It's an amazing journey. And God's been so much in it. Really, really encouraging. But we do sense there's more. Both under the umbrella of Y4F and perhaps in other areas as well. Because family breakdown doesn't merely affect couples who've got children or singles but it we find particularly in our society at the moment the elderly are often increasingly vulnerable and isolated and encompasses the other age uh, other spectrum of the age range as well we'd love to be able to invest more in those things we'd love to be able to invest more in marriages So there's more to do here. So if you want a school report on this one, I'd say excellent progress, more potential. Excellent progress, more potential. It's an area where we have seen so much encouragement, but I would ask myself and ourselves, is this an area where the Spirit is prompting you to become more particularly engaged, more specifically involved? Think about it.
And then we have another area, resourcing the wider church to bring about kingdom transformation in our communities by God's spirit and working in partnership. For as long as I can remember, YCC has seen itself as a resource church. Felt not just how we view ourselves, how we feel God has called us to be. God has blessed us amazingly. He has been so gracious to us. It's not all our bright ideas and cleverness or anything like that. God has just been incredibly gracious to us. We, we bless him for it. But he's blessed us. And we've known that God wants us to share that wherever we can. And it's happening locally where we're in different ways supporting and encouraging other churches with their youth work and their worship teams. It's happening nationally with our increased involvement in uh, leading worship and teaching at things like New Wine. It's happening internationally through the support that we seek to bring to churches in, for example, France particularly, and to a degree in Brazil and sometimes elsewhere. We are genuinely being a resource church. It's sometimes a little under the radar. People don't always see it. But God's amazingly been amazingly good to us and we are learning and keen to continue sharing that. We're especially looking to see how we can offer something more in terms of leadership training to others, to share that where we've learned some lessons. Can we share that so others don't have to reinvent the wheel and make all the mistakes we make? So again, report there would be encouraging progress, more potential. And I want to say a big thank you to all of those of you who've been involved in one way or another in those things. And then a third area, a vision area we've talked about. By God's Spirit and working in partnership, we're committed to seeing new communities of believers established in Yeovil, the nation, and the world. Now, we've clearly sensed God's call for us in this area. But, despite seeing some opportunities, we have to be honest, we've not yet had a clear sense of how we're supposed to work that out. What it kind of looks like. Or who amongst us has the gift, the availability, the maturity to pioneer in that area. Um, those of you who've been around YCC for a bit, you know, we can smile a little bit uh, when we talk about the fact that we've uh, accidentally planted a YCC church in Brazil. There is a Yeovil Community Church stroke something else uh, in Puso Alegre in Brazil uh, from a good friend of ours, Amari, who is closely linked with us. Yeah, we can sort of pat ourselves about, oh, we planted a church in Brazil. But, yeah, not so much, really. I mean, yes, we've encouraged them, we've resourced them, we've advised them, but probably we're it's a bit much to say we planted the church there. But we believe God is still calling us into that area. We're not quite sure what it looks like. We haven't made such good progress there. But we are still hungry for God in that. So the report there would be, not yet seen the progress hoped for. You ever had a report like that one? Not yet. But we're persisting. And maybe the Spirit... Holy Spirit is stirring up a passion in some of you here this morning to be a catalyst in that area. And then 
there's another area that we highlighted, the fourth area of our original four vision statements, and that concerns the whole area of justice. When we initially distilled how we sensed the Spirit was directing us, we shared a conviction that somehow the whole area of justice seemed really, really important. But we also recognised at that time that there was an awful lot that we simply didn't understand in that whole area. We felt young, naive, green, a bit sort of... Yeah, we just... We didn't have a really good grasp of it. We knew it was important, but we didn't really understand it. And so when we phrased our vision statement there, we we deliberately phrased it in terms of um, exploring God's heart for justice and seeing it impact our living. It was a bit vague because we needed to do some exploring. I think that area has actually been uh, what you might call a slow burner. Actually, the more I talk to folks in the fellowship, the more I recognise that different individuals and households and families have actually been making significant changes and giving serious thought to changes in lifestyle in light of that, in light of wanting to pursue God's justice in the broader sense. So there has been some individual responses in that, but we sense the Holy Spirit is now calling us in that area, to be much more intentional and specific with respect to justice. And so we've, we've recrafted, Adam alluded to it earlier, we've recrafted our vision statement around justice as follows. By God's Spirit and working in partnership, we're committed to living generously, challenging the cultures and systems that create injustice, and actively loving those affected. Kind of three dimensions to that. Living generously, challenging the cultures and systems that create injustice, and actively loving those affected. Some of the ministries we're already involved with, and where we already serve, are genuine and valid and important responses to that call for justice. And we're kind of already, although we don't always recognise it, doing some of that. really actively loving those who are affected by injustice, for example. And some, as individuals, and increasingly I think we feel called as a church to live generously. So we're growing in this, but we, we have more there. So I think on that one I would say positive signs, but potential for growth. But we commend that revised and updated vision statement around justice to you, to reflect on, to think about, to pray about how you can engage with that. Sarah's going to be particularly teaching into that area of justice in a a few weeks' time, so we'll be unpacking that some more. So I won't go further in that, but that's a revised one where we feel God's calling us a bit further in that area. Finally, I want to come back to a comment I made earlier on about whether there was four or five vision statements, and that is because there was four, and we want to introduce a fifth, as Adam alluded to. You see, in many ways, we're a really, really busy church. We do a lot of stuff. Some people get quite tired some of the time doing the stuff. We're very active in serving in a myriad of ways, particularly out into the community. And if that's you and you've been doing that and you've been getting tired, you know, thank you. And you know that you have the Lord's approval on you. 
But we've increasingly come to recognize that if we are persistently to be breathing out in active service, then we need to give equal focus to breathing in, in prayer and in worship. If we want to grow in reaching those on the margins, we need to ensure that Jesus is more than ever enthroned at the centre. You see, it's easy to assume that as followers of Jesus, as a church, hey, I mean, surely the importance of worship is just a given, isn't it? Just, I mean, it's what you do. And yet, we don't simply want to maintain our worship, to sustain it as is. We sense God's call to become even more wholehearted in our worship. If we are to sustain all that God is calling us to, we know we need to experience his presence more intensely when we gather in his presence consciously and corporately. We need to experience his presence with every part of our being, with our hearts, our minds, our bodies, with our wills and with our emotions. And so certainly as a team, we've become really convinced that the Spirit wants us to make a very explicit commitment to going deeper and growing in our worship. So we're adding a fifth uh, dimension along these lines. By God's Spirit and working in partnership, we are committed to becoming a community where Jesus is wholeheartedly worshipped, deeply experienced, and clearly known. And we commend that to you. And Joe's going to be unpacking that in a couple of weeks' time and uh, putting some flesh on those bones. We are committed to responding to how the Holy Spirit is directing us. As I sort of alluded to earlier, it's, it's easy to kind of, when you talk about vision statements and stuff, it's, it's easy to be just a little bit cynical, a little bit sort of sceptical about that. Yeah, yeah, it's just a thing. No, we do believe the Holy Spirit is directing us in these particular areas and we want to focus. Not merely passively acknowledging what he's saying to us, but consciously asking God how he wants us to engage. How are we to engage with this? Where do we fit in this? And next week particularly, and over the following few weeks, we plan to share quite specific goals that we want to set before us for 2018. Quite specific goals in some of those vision areas. Not quite sure yet exactly how many we'll put that and whether it'll cover, cover everything, but we want to start sharing some specific goals. Because that will help keep us focused and help us to measure before God how effective we're being in our response to what he's instructed us, how he's talked to us about things. As I mentioned earlier, around the... Corner, the pillars on the building and on the auditorium here, we've written, uh, written out those five vision statements that I've alluded to. And next to them you'll find some blank pieces of paper and some pens on the floor there that you can write on. And it may well be that even this morning you want to write something on there. I'd encourage you when we break for coffee... Um, to go and read each of those, not just, oh yeah, okay, that's not too bad, or I don't like the wording of that, or whatever. No, go and read and reflect on those and ask yourself, 
or ask the Holy Spirit, where do I fit? Is God calling me particularly in that area to do something different, do something more, to start doing something? To become more engaged, more particularly involved. Uh, we'll leave those up in, uh, over the next week or two. Uh, so it may be that you want to do that this morning, or it may be you want to sort of read them and then go away and reflect and think, hmm, I need to, need to spend time with God talking about that and, and how and what's possible and what's, what he's calling me to do. Um, so by all means, reflect on that. But yeah, write down what your response is. Uh, we've had prayer weekend this, this weekend and uh, we've, we've had the vision statements up and we, we did write down some areas that we were praying into those areas. But I'm particularly asking you to think about how you would engage in those areas. By God's spirit and working in partnership, I am committed to, question mark. So I'd encourage you to think about those areas, to think about what God's instructing you to be involved in. Because we want to respond to what the Holy Spirit's instructing us. There's no point just receiving a vision about Jericho and then deciding to camp out and just have a picnic there. When God directs us, directs Paul to go to Macedonia, he didn't sort of head off in the other direction or just decide to set up a coffee shop. He moved. We need to respond. So let's be thinking about that. Let's be reflecting on that. We have a video we want to play, um, which just begins to tease out some of that stuff a bit more. And then Joe and the band are going to come lead us in worship. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> 